I have two stories to talk about that are fairly recent, not today, but more recent things impacting the world. Would you rather a global warming or supply chain issue to begin with? Let's do supply chain. Yeah, let's do that one. I don't know if you heard this while the whole COVID lockdown was going on. Did you hear about the chip shortage? Microchips, not potato chips. Yeah, in carts, cars. In everything. So everything's a freaking robot these days, and they all need their own microchips. You need them in your phones, you need them in your uh, computer screens, you need them in your cars, in your phones, in your tablets, in everything. In your fridges, like freaking everything. This has been going on for about a a year now, and it's starting to hit supply chains pretty severely. Part of it is the whole fact that factories were shut down during COVID. Part of it also is that there was a severe drought in Taiwan this year that really impact chips you need a lot of water to actually make microchips and without that water you can't produce them and then the other part of it was that ports got shut down and most chips are in the world and made in japan and taiwan and china they weren't able to get to the rest of the world so this has been impacting pretty much everything that has any sort of technology in it the most recent impact can be seen in, in the car world Toyota for 2021 said they are cutting back on their supply of cars by 40% for this year. Wow, that's pretty huge. And General Motors has, this was something that came out. I just need to check the date on this. Uh, I think that's huge. Is that huge? That is significant, like very significant. Okay, good. Um, General Motors basically said that they're shutting down all but a few of their factories in North America because they don't have any chips for their cars. Because of the microchips? Yeah. They specifically said which ones they're going to keep open, but they specifically said it's all because of the microchips, and it's just basically their SUV and pickup truck uh, factories are going to remain open. Those are the only two in the car world that I have seen so far. Is it going to pick up again? Who knows? That's the real question. I know the U.S. is saying that we're too dependent on Ford Nationals for microchips so we need to take a look at that and try to build some at home so they're looking at building a microchip factory however they're looking at building it in nevada which is a desert and and they need water and they need water and there's already an issue all across the western coast of the u.s curious do because electric vehicles are just taking off this is something they would probably need for electric vehicles as well uh they will also need that and um with regards to electric vehicles they need different minerals like lithium in larger supplies because they need significant batteries in them that ties elon musk's comments about bolivia when he said we can coo who we want in a tweet Uh, yeah we can talk about that at some later point okay why is he saying we can coo who we want because he's i can i can look at a different episode quote yeah he specifically said in a tweet when somebody was talking about the coup in bolivia he specifically said we will coo whoever we want deal with it well why is he cooing anybody he because he owns tesla which it needs batteries for its cars bolivia has a very large lithium deposit I okay, believe so he, the leader because that, he needs that for Tesla, that just makes yeah, him Bolivian. Yeah. I believe the leader of Bolivia at the time of the coup was Eva Morales. I'm saying that horribly, but he lost power. And since there was a it, it was a really weird military dictatorship where they like had a giant Bible, and the military dictator said that this is the head of state now, this giant Bible. 
like really what? weird theocracy stuff. But since then, Eva Morales has yeah. returned from um, exile. He is back in the country, although he's not running it. Somebody in his own party is. They've been very good for the native population of Bolivia. Okay, well, that's good. But yeah, that, that's a separate thing that we didn't need to talk about at all. Anyhow, the other thing, Just and curious. I thought this was, yeah, I thought this was good because we've talked about these beautiful creatures before. The Komodo dragons. You know what is so funny? Komodo dragons came up in conversation today. So I'm just going to keep that as a synchronicity and think. This okay. Is great news. Okay. I am just going to share this because I love this photo of this one Komodo dragon just getting tackled to the ground hard. By Godzilla? No, tackling By another Godzilla. Komodo dragon. Oh, okay. I thought one of them was Godzilla. No, they're both Komodo dragons. Okay. One looks but... like Godzilla. This story is about Komodo dragons facing extinction. They are now listed as an endangered species because they are island-dwelling creatures. They already were threatened, but they've been moved to endangered because in the next 30 to 40 years, scientists anticipate about 30% of their habitat being destroyed by sea level rises. Oh, no. You know what? And it has nothing to do... Well, it does have something to do with this. I just read a thing that there's a lot of species of animals that are going to be wiped off the face of the earth pretty soon, like within the next 10 years. Yeah. Well, we're already in the middle of a yeah mass extinction level event because mm-hmm. half of the species known to science have died out in the last 50 years or so. I could believe it. And not only that, but we're also going through massive climate changes right now. So I assume yeah. that that's going to change. Yeah. And add to that the biomass of like all creatures on Earth. Like now, I believe it's 70% of it is basically our food. What is? Oh, like, like the biomass of Earth is humans and our food. I believe it. Like, and I'm pescatarian. And so much of the meat industry is what's contributing to climate change as well. Oh, sorry. It's 70% of mammals on Earth, basically farmed by humans. It's pretty And include humans. Anyhow, that's just a little duster to keep you all engaged in the society that we now inhabit. And to remember that we need to do better. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good theme that we always have on the podcast. Yes. I don't want to lecture everybody because I need to do better too. Yeah, we all do. So one step at a time, no judgment. Yeah. And with that, Chelsea, can you somehow cue up this music to play? Yeah. Let's dance. Unexplained to the mundane. Join us on our journey to the fringe.
Where's my watch? In your shirt. Under the bed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe. You are probably a little dazed and confused having come off of our previous topic of drugs, a history of and making of. And now... Maybe they tried the drugs, maybe they didn't. Who's to say? They're so confused. Yeah. Yeah. But today we move on to another topic. Uh, Something a little more in our roots from the original concept of our podcast um, of fringiness. And that is the paranormal. I don't know what you would call this one specifically. I thankfully did not do a lot of research into this one. So I am going to be the oblivious bystander who answers the rhetorical questions at this time around. Yeah, for all of you. And um, I'd be interested to know because once I started researching this, I actually had no idea about the actual history of injury cold, which is who we're doing. That was a spoiler alert. The episode today is Ingrid Cole. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) I actually had no idea about this actual history of Ingrid Cole. And it's Ingrid Cole. And we'll kind of get into how he got his name, I guess. Well, he told it. That's another spoiler alert. I'm spoiling everything tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of the episode. I guess I feel like I had something to say first. No, I was going to make a comment. I feel like everything we do is fringy. It is. It just, I think the original concept for the podcast was to just be paranormal in nature. But it's got other places we want to say other things. We've evolved as humans. Yes. And I I think, thankfully, it's because the original title for the podcast we wanted to do, Oddcast, was taken. Which (laughs) worked out. Because of that, we had required, due to (laughs) naming laws, to talk about all fringe (laughs) topics all the time. Yeah, it's worked out well for us, actually, because we've gotten some really good topics out of it. But yes, we are doing Indrid Cold today, and I hope I do him justice. But I'm interested to hear what you knew and didn't know with talking about this, because I was caught off guard. I had no idea, as with, I think, everything that we've done that has been paranormal. Other than the UFOs, I think everything's kind of taken me in a direction that has caught me off guard. Like with the Warrens. Did you know that about the Warrens? Uh, What about the Warrens? Everything. (laughs) I did not know everything about the Warrens, no. (laughs) Thanks for checking, though. You're welcome. So I was super excited to do Indra Cold. Did the Warrens say he was a demon by chance? I didn't specifically Google the Warrens plus Indra Cold. Okay. And I'm guessing because he's never associated with a house per se, it was just off limits to the Warrens. Probably, and had nothing to do with the demon, I don't think. So, yeah, they couldn't paint it. They couldn't impose themselves in the situation. So I think they just... uh, I don't know if they ever said anything about Mothman, because they would have been alive. You would think that they would have been they're still alive, yes. Sketching the entire (laughs) city. That's like their prime. Yeah, you would have thought... Again, the Mothman is not associated with a haunted house. They can't easily enter. But if you think about it, they could have just sat outside the city limits and, like, sketched Point Pleasant. Indrid Cold also has been known as the Grinning Man. If you Google Indrid Cold or the Grinning Man, you're going to get the same experiences that everybody has had with him. Um, Grinning Man is more of a nickname because he seems so happy to see everyone that he encounters. Just kidding. It's like a really creepy smile. I would almost, what I picture is like the Joker. 
Except the Joker is a painted on smile, but I just picture it as like a larger than life, creepy smile. That's just, you know, when we talk about those paranormal encounters and there's just something that's off. I just yeah. feel like nobody walks around with a grin like that except Canadians because we're so polite. But nobody really walks around just smiling with a grin like that at all times. Something else I was really surprised by was that he has also been attributed with Springheel Jack, which I'm sure we'll do an Oh, I love Springheel Jack. Yeah, he's pretty crazy. He's too. pretty harmless. I'm not really sure why he's attributed with Springheel Jack. I didn't really get into that. It was just something that was kind of me- mentioned in all the articles that I read about Cold that he has been attributed to those sightings as well. Maybe it's just because it's a weird paranormal guy. Cold is a human-like entity, and since we don't know exactly what he is, because there's lots of mystery. There are a lot of theories out there ranging what Indrid actually is, ranging from an alien to a man in black. It's just a lot of speculation because he's never actually said, hey, I'm an alien or I'm a man in black. He's also closely associated with UFO activity. There's lots of sightings about UFOs in connection with his sightings and just a lot of situations in which high strangeness is happening. Most famously, he appears in relation to the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, about a month after the first Mothman sighting. He's sighted. So Mm -hmm. I do have a question about that because that's my only understanding Mm -hmm. of Indrid Cole is through the Mothman Prophecy movie. From my understanding is John Keel appears to be the Mm -hmm. first person who really ever talked about him. He's not. Okay. Um, and I'll get into it. However, that always worries me just with John Keel because, like, yeah. we talked about him when we were, he was a military propagandist. Like, he knows how to embellish things. And I do find, especially when you're reading John Keel, he, uh, he does definitely embellish the stories that he's talking yes. about. Yes. I will admittedly say that I have not read the Mothman prophecies. I've read about a chapter or two of it, and it didn't have anything to do with the Mothman. So I got bored and gave up. My specific research to the major, and maybe I should put this at the end, the major sighting does come from a witness that I'm going to go through the full sighting. John Keel does also write about this in the Mothman Prophecies, so that's why it's tied into the Mothman Prophecies. It happens around Point Pleasant in West Virginia, around the time within a month of the Mothman sightings happening in West Virginia, and the main witness does write his own book. So just to tell you kind of how it all comes together, John Keel does write about it in his book. He does also do the foreword in the book that this witness writes about. So I'm interesting to see your opinion at the end of this. Okay. So in a nutshell, injury cold. There is a first encounter noted of the smiling man prior to um, the main injury cold sighting by two boys. And mm-hmm. I just want to confirm at this point, this is a confirmed sighting of the smiling man. This is not somebody... This is not a creature or a humanoid identifying itself as injured cold. This is just no, a smiling man. This sighting. is a smiling man. Okay. Um, so that's great that you um, differentiate the two. Um, so the 
first encounter noted with the smiling man, not injured cold, is in October 16th, 1966. This is by two younger boys in New Jersey who are simply walking down the street when they noticed a very tall man behind or near um, a fence watching them. As they got closer to the man, they noticed that he was wearing a green suit and had a huge grin on his face. An abnormally large grin, which is just sort of unnatural. Like I said, there's always something in these encounters that are kind of unnatural. As if it's someone trying to be normal, but they're not really being normal. The boys get the creeps from this being and kind of take off because he's watching them in a creepy way with a big smile on his face. It's a very brief encounter, and upon their recollection of the events, they realized that this man had a lack of facial features other than his beady eyes and the huge smile that they noticed. So he was missing a nose and ears. I guess we can say that these encounters I'm going to discuss in this episode are tied together because of the grin on this man. So that's why Indrid Cold also goes by the Grinning Man. And you'll see on the next encounter why they're all related to each other, I guess. Because otherwise you'd be like, why are all these like weird dudes tied to each other? Soon after this October 16th, 1966 encounter comes one of the most well-known encounters with Indrid Cold. This is during the happenings in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in which there's a whole lot of shit going down at the time with the Mothman and they're not fully related and we'll probably do Mothman I really like Mothman as well I find them to be really creepy but there's no actual correlation between the two other than probably John Keel putting it in the Mothman prophecy book is the only real correlation I can find between the two this happens very close to where the Mothman sightings are happening. And Indrid makes his first contact near Point Pleasant with Woodrow Derenberger on November 2nd, 1966. So this is about a month after the very brief encounter that I just told you with and, these two boys. And Woodrow would be part of uh, Point Pleasant's high society, right? No. How can um, you not with a name like Woodrow? Yeah. Woody for short, I guess. Oh, I I'm, just, okay. I'm just making that up. I can only assume because people don't want to say Woodrow. That's a really long name. Unless you're rich, then everybody calls you Woodrow. True. True. But I wouldn't assume that he's rich based on what I get into, unless he's really good at sales. So this first encounter happens about a month after that original one in October 1966. Fast forward a month. November 2nd, 1966, Woodrow is driving to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia, on Highway 77 after a hard day's work slaying and sewing machines. That's how I know that he's not high society. He's selling sewing machines. So Woodrow has a weird experience being something weird happens. To be more specific, he's driving down the highway and a car passes him. That's not the weird part. <laughs> He sees an ox. <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> he was following the speed limit. A car passes him and he sees an object following the car very closely. So within about 25 to 30 feet of this car that's passing him. But it's not a car. It passes his truck and then immediately turns sideways in front of his truck across a two-lane highway. 
However, he does note it doesn't cut him off. It just slowly goes along with his car, allowing him enough time to come to a nice, pleasant stop. Not slamming on the brakes, getting in an accident stop. There's a thing in front of me, I hit the brakes and I just come to a stop. So a a stop at a pleasant point is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Before, it's not point pleasant, but a pleasant point. Yeah. Which the car stopped. All in all, his path is intercepted by a cigar-shaped, grayish, charcoal-y colored object, and the color glistens in his headlights. So it's kind of like sparkling there, like a nice glisten in the headlights. He doesn't notice any windows or lights coming from the object. So then he describes it as the object itself is, this is a direct quote from him, an old-fashioned kerosene lamp, chimney flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck, then enlarging into a great bulge in the center. This object stays about 10 inches off the ground during this And as soon as the object comes to a stop, a door opens and a man emerges from the craft and walks to the right side window of Derenberger's car and asks him to roll down the window. Special note, I got all this info straight from the horse. I don't know if that's how the saying goes. I think it's... The horse's mouth. The horse's mouth. Okay. This Um, all comes straight from the horse's mouth. The horse being the driver of the vehicle. Yeah. Which raises further questions. Driving the vehicle. And I never asked if he was human. (laughs) (laughs) Never came up in the research. This happened. It could have happened to a horse. I don't know. What this, and I kind of get into it later, so I'm kind of doing another spoiler. All this information is coming directly from, and I could probably post it to the social media when this episode comes up. It is an interview given by Darren Berger the day after this sighting happens. So this is all recounted directly by him, like the day after. Darren Berger describes the door opening so a guy comes out of the craft and darren Berger describes this door opening like an ordinary door like i would open the front door of my house you would open the front door of your house or literally any other door there's only one way that doors open i think it's outwards or inwards but they're on hinges they don't slide up do doors do that i mean not most doors now okay most doors don't do it You're right. I guess there would be a door or two that did that. Warehouse doors light up. Yeah. So this door on this craft opens like an ordinary door. It opens out like it's on hinges, which I've never heard about that with UFOs before. Maybe they just haven't said it on encounters. As soon as this man walks up to the UAP, I'm going to call it a UAP, it lifts straight up about 75 feet into the air and it's just suspended there while they're talking. The man then asks Woodrow, what are you called? So this is when he's on the right side of his car. He like has to lean over to open the door. I assume it's like rolling down the window. He rolls down the window for this guy. It's 1966, I'm pretty sure. He has to roll it down. He's talking to him over there and he says, what are you called? And then he says, why are you frightened? We mean you no harm. We wish you only happiness. We're the same as you. We eat, we breathe, we sleep and bleed even as you. This man is maintaining conversation, maintaining eye contact with Darren Berger, aside from looking at passing cars, which are shining headlights on cold and the truck pulled to the side. The man introduces himself as cold, as if that's what he's called, cold. He doesn't say injured at any point, actually. So I'm not sure. My name's cold. 
Yeah, he never says Indrid, so I'm not sure where Indrid comes from. I'm assuming it's from the other encounters that he has with them. Another spoiler alert, so sorry guys. <laughs> he then asks what that is. So he says that he somehow gets the idea that he's referring to the city lights in the distance. He says that he points without pointing to city lights in the distance. And Derenberg responds with, that's a city. It's called Parkersburg. It's a town. Cold asks if everyone lived there and questioned more about what happened in the city. And Woodrow went on to tell him that's where people went to do business transactions and most people lived in outlying communities outside of the city. Indrid responds with where he comes from, it's called a gathering, not a city. And he then reiterates to Woodrow not to be frightened. I guess he was sensing that he was probably frightened by the whole situation. He's not one to fully have good social skills, thinking that telling somebody don't be frightened will make them not frightened. Yeah, especially since, and I didn't say it yet, but he is grinning through this whole conversation with a creepy grin. Yeah, um, it's almost like he's doing everything he can to scare this guy. And it's that paranormal thing where it's just something trying to mimic what they think is normal and nice is what I get the vibe of. But they're actually acting completely Abstract, not normal. Yeah. And it's just that kind of creepy vibe that you give out when you're trying to act human, but you're not human, I guess, is what I get from it. So Cole then asks Woodrow where he lives and what he does for a living, which Woodrow's like, I sling sewing machines. And I'm kind of curious, like, would he have sold Indrid Cole the sewing machine? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Indrid relays that he, while Woodrow sells sewing machines, Indrid is a searcher. And that's kind of all. He leaves it at that. He's Woodrow a searcher? Yeah, Woodrow doesn't want to know anymore. He doesn't ask where, what, why, when, how are you a searcher? What are you searching for? Why are you talking to me? He just kind of doesn't really ask any questions. So then Indrid wraps things up. He's like, we will see you again. And he leaves. Cold steps back onto the object and Derenberger sees another figure pull the door shut. Not cold. He sees another one like grab it and pull it shut after cold walks into the ship by the way this conversation that is had with darren Berger is all telepathic and it does startle woodrow as a conversation was carried on normally but he noticed cold's mouth did not move and he just had that creepy smile on his face the whole time and he does note that he was very courteous and friendly and just had that creepy grin on his face the whole time but it was kind of like the way he describes it, it was kind of like he didn't realize that it was all telepathic and his mouth wasn't moving until he kind of took a minute to realize how this conversation was happening. I don't really know how else to describe that. He just, it just felt to him like he was having a normal conversation, but then he noticed that his mouth wasn't moving. The whole conversation lasts about 10 minutes. He describes cold as being about six feet tall, middle-aged he actually doesn't say middle-aged he says age 35 to 40 which is i don't know oddly specific <laughs> so i said middle-aged just to make it seem better more obtuse yes yeah. <laughs> um he has dark hair combed straight back 
He has a deep tan. He's wearing a shiny metallic dark blue top coat zippered. It was a zipper over a shirt that is unbuttoned to buttons. And he's wearing pants of the same material, just a shade lighter than the coat. And he looks very normal. Like you wouldn't think he's different from anyone walking down the street. You wouldn't have picked him out aside from that weird grin on his face. He didn't say that. I said that because I would notice a weird grin on the face of somebody walking. I'd be like, that guy's creepy. Woodrow returns home after this encounter and he tells his wife who's creeped out and he lets her know of the contact and then they decide you should call the police. So he calls the police and the press to which he gives an interview the next day in which I'm referring to which he relays pretty much exactly what I just said like I just said. He goes on live on TV and is interviewed by the state police, the Wood County Airport, the city police and representatives from the Dayton Ohio Air Force Base. The interviewer actually does do a fairly good job of asking him more about the encounter and then goes on to ask him if he drinks. Something I did find just me watching the interview of this is he kind of gives the encounter and then the interviewer starts drilling him for more detail of the encounter and that's kind of where he goes back and gives the information of yeah he was aged 35 to 40 years old and just really I mean it only happened the day before but I find in he gives the initial report then the interviewer goes and asks him more detailed things about the encounter and he kind of goes back in each little thing and gives a lot more detail in which I kind of found it interesting the details he didn't put in the initial story. If you catch my drift yeah. about that, when that man interviews him and he goes back in more detail the second time that he's asked about it. The interviewer does a good job to get him with those questions and get more detail about it. The interviewer also asks if anyone may have witnessed Cold talking to him. A man does come forward after the interview claiming that he too saw a figure as he described Cold on Route 77 trying to flag him down the same night, but he was afraid to stop. Others also reported strange lights around the same time on Route 77 as well. Did and anybody report to see Woodrow talking to Cold? Mm-hmm. Okay. Several <laughs> witnesses come forward saying they saw the truck stopped on the side of the road talking to the man. And some did even report seeing a flying craft parked across the road. This was huge news in the area for like three weeks. That was the first encounter in a lot of detail, I think, given what I took away from that interview. And over the course of the next month, Darren Berger claims he was visited by cold many times and even went aboard the spaceship. The contact continues telepathically with Woodrow and he claims that he would go to Bogle Ride in which he would meet cold there and go on rides to into outer space. So Bogle Ride is a place in West Virginia that he went to meet cold, just to specifically say what that was. How did he know to do this? I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that it's because of telepathy that he would know to go and meet the spaceship there. It's not outlined in great detail, and I'm not... I shouldn't be admitting this when we're doing a full episode on it, but I have not read his book. So it may say in there why he knew to do this. I think, I mean, he has a whole book on this, 
which kind of raises a red flag for me a little bit, but I might touch on that a bit later. Have you seen the Mothman prophecies? Yeah. I would say that, and which is Indrid Cole is like Mothman or one thing, but Indrid Cole is such a creepy part of that movie. Yeah, and I, I also feel say, he's misrepresented in that for what he, he is. really is. Based on the stories that I'm telling right now, he's very misrepresented in there. I think it's very loosely based on this. I know the character in the Mothman prophecies, he would go and meet Indrid Cole like in the forest. So I think that it's very loosely based on this. Cold also shows up at Woodrow's front door where his wife and children knew that these visits were happening, even corroborating that they met and saw Indrid with other beings. And Woodrow's wife does come forward saying that during these meetings, they looked normal, did normal things, dressed normally, but they were not of human origin. His house would often receive unknown phone calls. Sometimes there were threats to stop speaking about his experience, and other times they would be beeps and electronic feedback, sometimes silence on these phone calls. He was visited by the men in black as well. So was that the men in black he was just talking about then? I don't know that it was for sure on those phone calls. The men in black actually did show up. He describes them as strange men dressed in all black show up at the house who he was very frightened by that spoke with him that had nothing to do with cold. Due to this media frenzy and attention, locals flocked to his house and Bogle Ridge wanting to get a glimpse of cold. And people do, during this frenzy, corroborate his story and these visits. Which, if you look at the time and this kind of media frenzy, I just kind of wonder about these cooperations at this point. Because it is getting so much attention, especially with the Mothman. And people just straight out wanting to get a glimpse of injured Colt. Woodrow does go on, like I said, to write a book, which is called The Visitors from Lanulos. So in this encounter, Cold relayed to Woodrow that he was from Lanulos in the galaxy of Genomeds. Genomeds. He also claims two more of the Grinning Man species who were named Demo Hassan, Demo or Demo, Hassan, and Carl Ardo visited him in conjunction with Colt. So that's kind of the end of that summary of things happening. There is a third Grinning Man encounter happening around the same time and area as the Mothman frenzy, which is going on, which is, it starts with Poltergeist, which we covered in our episode, Spooky Lingo. It's a farm in which Poltergeist activity starts happening in the house. And one night, the young daughter of the family runs out of her room, proclaiming that a large man was in her room, standing over her bed, grinning at her. From that time up until present day, there's just been random sightings of a prowler with a fixed grin. Um, So we have Provincetown, Massachusetts around the same time as this, where these are being reported. And other reports continue with the grinning man. Most are vague, quick encounters in which witnesses report feeling uncomfortable and encounter grinning man, essentially. So that's a quick little episode there. I don't even know how long I've been talking. Um, Not that long. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? It's hard to say. There are many 
UFO interactions where uh, people meet the inhabitants, where they learn much from them. And it all just seems like utter mm-hmm. bullshit that they're telling them. Like when you actually look mm-hmm. at it in hindsight and compared to everything everybody is hearing, not everybody, but people who interact with these beings and the crafts are hearing, none of them make any sense if you put them all together. It doesn't. And in this interview that we'll post up on there, the interviewer does say that he has, and by the way, the interview that I did listen to has nothing to do with the police or anything. It sounds like it's just a man possibly working for a radio station. And he does mention during the course of the interview that they being the radio station or whatever corporation he's working for interviewed other abductees or contactees, probably he says in the interview, in which they had said that they came from Venus and Mars. And then he says, where did cold come from or something to the effect of that? And so I just thought it was funny that he says they came from Venus and Mars. Because at that time, you know, what could be further than Venus and Mars? Yeah, well, and there was still legitimate theories that there was life on Mars. Mm -hmm. Even to some extent, Venus, not to the same extent. But yeah, you see it all the time Mm -hmm. that people interact with UFO beings and they say they're from Mars. And that just makes no sense from what we know today. Today, right? We have a space rover on Mars. And little did they know, thinking into the future, that we might do that. So they thought yeah. it was safe. They can't check on this. They yeah. can't know. <laughs> and plus they didn't know any other planet names probably. Yeah. I also find it weird that Ingrid seems to know quite a lot about society around us. Hmm. Like to the extent that he's dressed fashionably. The one thing that I thought, there's a few things that I'd like to pull Coles in his story. And I was really going in here thinking like Ingrid Cold is such a creepy guy. And... Yeah. Mothman prophecies make him seem so creepy. And then I, you know, I was doing my research and I was just kind of like, this is what his story is. Just like the Warrens really let me down too. But the fact that he had a zipper on his coat, what are the odds? What are the odds if he came from another planet that he has a zipper on his coat. The odds of zippers just like spontaneously being invented. <laughs> that zippers are universal. <laughs> yeah. Fairly low. But at the same time, we have nothing to compare it to. For all we know, like that's the great decider of spacefaring species is whether or not you're able Having to design a zipper. A zipper. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. You're right. Okay. So maybe it's not that strange. That was one thing that stood out to me. I believe there's zippers on the spacesuits. Yeah. Apparently injured had... The zipper. Yeah, I don't find that odd. I mean, also the the whole idea is that they're trying to mimic humans, or at least the society around them in these okay. situations. Doesn't necessarily mean it's out of the ordinary that he would have a zipper. I could pick up what you're putting down. I just what especially are, when you see it with the black eyed kids, they're always like they're they're dressed like they have us. zippers. No, they don't have zippers, but they're no, dressed. No, black eyed kids normally. are always dressed not normally. They're dressed like 1800s normally. Well, no, but they're wearing clothes that would like human clothes. That we would recognize from yeah. humanity. Yeah. It's like off, like that weird off. And thing. I always personally love when it's like 1950s style sci fi suits that the aliens are wearing, like the Italians and the. In- <laughs> Making the pancakes outside of um, making pancakes. Yeah, oh, I can't remember his name. But making the pancakes. 
Yeah, the one that made the pancakes. You'll know that if you listen to us a lot. So please let us know who that was. Because yes. we can't remember. It was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's all I can um, tell you. The other thing that I find odd is John Keel. The second is that he wrote a book and it was about the fact that Cold came from Lanulos and Cold brought his friends, which were Carl Carl Arden. And Demo Hassan. Yeah. So he goes on later to name where they come from and his friends' names who were also with him. I don't know. And the real thing about it is during this interview, he lays out his whole story. And it's not until the interviewer starts actually questioning him about things that he goes and gives actual details about it. And it's just like, like I said, it's just like strangely specific details. Like he was between 35 and 40. And who would say that? I mean, I might. Would you say that? No. Well, I can see somebody saying no, and I'm that's a hard the whole thing. Of age. Yeah, but then but don't then, put yourself okay. in your own mind. You got to put okay. it in like just right. an average so, person, and somebody and would. I'm, say I'm that gonna person. play. Maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm just. And maybe his head. target audience for sewing machines is 35 to 40 year olds. True. So he can spot a 35 so to 40 year old. Just he from does like go a mile on away. in the interview to say the interviewer does say, well how old do you think I am and how much do you think I weigh? And he says it and he's like, you got that pretty straight on. <laughs> so, so maybe it did prove his point that he's just like one of those people at the carnival where they're like, well, guess yeah. your weight and age. And then you owe them like, well, you're more, yeah, you, you need to know first off their age. So that you know what type of style fabric they want for their sewing machine yeah. and two, their weight. So you can know how much fabric they'll need for their suits. And he might be upper class because maybe he does just, he's just that good at selling. He's sewing so machines. good at this. Yeah. But it does not say. I know if I was selling sewing machines, I'd be like, by the way, I sell sewing machines. So I'm really good at it. But he didn't really say like, mm, I sell sewing machines. Like it wasn't, it was neutral the way he said it. So okay. I can't say whether he was good or bad at it. Didn't seem proud. He didn't seem ashamed. So it was just neutral. So what else do you think about it? I thought there was going to be more kind of ongoing. No. Like, I always thought of like Ingrid, Ingrid Cole is supposed to be some sort of phenomenon that's always here. And I think that's that whole idea that he's kind of confused with the smiling man, which does pop up time to time. And he does. Paranormal but it's not as and that's another thing that I'm kind of like, mm, it's not as thorough of an encounter from then on, it's just kind of like this creepy smiling man in which yeah. maybe they just don't pick up on social cues that they shouldn't be smiling, which I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah, he just goes into a lot of detail. And then I, I think the only other thing I really want to say is that, man, did the Mothman prophecies misrepresent what Indra Cole was? Because oh, yeah. like they're talking about him as basically like a future teller. When they say based on a true story based on this it's really based on a true story and they embellish it a whole lot that being said i've <laughs> disclaimer i've never read visitors from lanulos and i haven't read what john keel wrote about with indrig cole in the mothman prophecies i don't know yeah if it, it could be hollywood embellishment and that's that whole thing because we haven't seen all the mediums that it's taking place in mm -hmm. we don't know for sure but yeah. um yeah i there 
there was a lot more hype in my mind about everything going on. I know. And I, I feel like that just came from the Mothman prophecies. And I am mm. interested to read about him in John Keel's book just because I'm a sucker for really freaky things. And I thought this is what this was going to be. Just like I got creeped out by the weird Bigfoot, the paranormal Bigfoot stuff, because it's just so creepy and un natural the sightings but this i just felt like i was kind of let down i was really rooting for injury cold that he would lead me to somewhere creepy and he didn't but i do still want to read the experience that john keel had with injured cold in quotations for those not watching me live on twitch right now maybe he might have embellished it in his book so that i can get that like what is it like serotonin when you're scared like scary movies scare you yeah yeah, just the oh, like, adrenaline rush. Like yeah. that adrenaline rush of being scared because I like that. But I I don't know. I'll have to read it and report back. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I was let down by this, I feel like. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I, I was I'm not gonna a lot more. Here. I'm not yeah. going to leave anybody. Take with it what you might. Yeah, I'm kind of sad. I was expecting a lot more out of Andrew Cole yeah. and many more interactions outside of just this like one year kind of yeah. thing. And I'm sorry that I couldn't <laughs> give anybody any insight on where Indrid came from. <laughs> Just cold. He was cold. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. um, I, I think that's all I got for you, Chels. Well, thank you all for listening today. This has been our journey into Indrid Cole, a often talked about, lesserly whelmed. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. Is this what we do now? We just do things that Often we're intrigued talks. by and yeah. then we make it underwhelming so yeah. that now you're not scared of them. I'm God. sorry to take that away from you guys. Maybe we actually need to spice them up. I feel like we'll get more listeners we if be we stop saying, man, it? these people kind of suck. Should we be <laughs> embellishing these? Anyhow, injured Cole was on fire this entire time he was talking to people. Very scary. Yes, but that's how the fringe can be sometimes. Like we say. It can be mm -hmm. tedious and kind of bland. Like, we don't like, say that. <laughs> like a brothy soup that is undersalted. That's in our journey to the fringe description, by the way. <laughs> it can be bland. Bring salt. Yes. Chelsea, thank you for killing one of the horror fantasies out there. Of I guess the paranormal you, can, reality. you can watch the Mothman prophecies now and not feel afraid. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening today, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. Uh, we are a new podcast, and we would very much so appreciate if you could like, subscribe, share, and if possible, provide a five-star review or some sort of feedback if you feel like there's anything we could be doing better. But Five-star review is the best thing you can do for us, as it does help, unfortunately, in the world of algorithms. Yes, please and thank you. And you can follow us on social media at Journey to the Fringe. We don't have all of them, so try searching it. Instagram, we're on Facebook. Right now, we have a subreddit. And if there's anything you want to hear in the future, feedback, anything, you can email us at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. If there's something we're missing that you'd like to see us on, please let us know. 
we only know what we know. So we're only and in so many places. Also, if you feel that we have gotten anything wrong, please let us know there as well, as we would really like to have the best information possible. We are mm -hmm. only as good as our research. And if you can provide anything further, it's a real help. Or if you want to share anything, we yes. will definitely, we're open to shares. So yes, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.